Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 54. I am your host, Ken, and as always, international daredevil, man of mystery, he who walks high ropes and I ran out of things, Clint Jones. Tell the world hello, Clint. Hi. I just jumped my bike over 10 flaming <laughs> school buses. I survived the trip. Yep. And so I'm glad to be here with you, Ken. Good, good. One of these days, I'm actually going to prepare what I say there, but it's it's literally just free association. <laughs> it keeps me on my toes, which I appreciate. <laughs> like it wakes me up in, yep. the, in the moments of a yep. starting. So I, I appreciate that. Well, Clint, uh, I know we're going to get to what you're watching, but I want to dive right in because I have a bit of a rant. And okay. I, I think you're going to really appreciate it. Okay. So do you mind if we uh, we do a little trade-off on what you're watching? Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm All ready right. for your rant. All right. So, Clint, uh, I'm going to tell you what what I've What been, you watching what, about, Ken? There we go. <laughs> I went to the theater, Clint, uh-huh. and uh, I was ready. I, you know, got my my favorite little hoodie, you got, your got popcorn? all wrapped up. Rachel was with me, and you know, oh. blanket and pillow and everything. Not that she sleeps, but she likes to be comfortable in the theater. I'm like, okay, were you whatever. going to the movies or uh, <laughs> or checking the into theater. a hotel? Went to the theater and got my popcorn and all my yeah. all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. I love this picture you're painting. Good. Because Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. You've been looking forward to this. I have been insanely looking forward yeah. to this because I am such an MCU nerd. They can do no wrong. Clint, I'm here to tell you, yes, they can. <laughs> yes. Man. They can. Mm-hmm. I um, I sat there and at one point, about halfway through the movie, yeah. I, I, I just – I completely stopped watching in my brain and I started thinking – this is what Clint feels like. <laughs> I um, it was it was something. Yeah, and and I do want you to watch it because I know you're a fan of Raimi. Uh-huh. Uh, my luck, you'll actually love this thing. Yeah, but this is the rainiest Raimi film that has ever Raimied. It just it really there's spinning cameras and virtual cameras and hard zooms and uh, cheesy gore and mm-hmm. just just all sorts of stuff. Um, that I guess if you're a pure Raimi fan, this feels very throwback. You haven't lost um, me yet. I'm not. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> okay. Here it comes. Now you take that and you add into that a bizarrely thin script uh-huh. that feels like a three-hour movie chopped down to two. Yeah. And then you add into that two characters, two main characters that feel nothing like where last we left them. Uh-huh. This is not the Doctor Strange from uh, No Way Home uh, it seems, and this is not the Wanda from WandaVision. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. It feels huh. like this little, almost like this Elseworlds alternate reality thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out of it. I, I was I was I was pretty heated. I was and they weren't mad. playing with that because it is kind of a multiverse deal. So there are essentially three uh, multiversal places that uh-huh. go. And so right off the bat, I was really angry that the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm is about three places, uh, one of which majorly you see just in flashback. There's like this scene where you get a flash in. Uh, Otherwise, there's that scene from the trailer where uh, Strange and America Chavez are kind of falling through universe after universe after universe. Yeah. That's the madness part. And it lasts, uh, if YouTube is to believe, it lasts for 39 seconds. Uh Uh-huh. And some of the universes they fall through look like uh, 1991 Spawn. Maybe that was 96. I don't remember when that was. But 
uh, just I I could go scene by scene through mm-hmm. this thing and really just tear it apart. Some people love it. Yeah. Some people are having a blast with it, and good on them. Uh, I thought it was just an absolute mess. Hmm. And so uh, I do want you to watch it at some point. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably I'll, wait. I'll watch till, it again. But yeah. It just. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, Clint. Did your son go and see it with you? Yeah. Did he like it? Uh, he thought it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a little annoyed with stuff. Uh, it has some uh, camera shots that I've not seen literally since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Kind of cross-dissolve fades where, you know, a large kind of uh, imposed shot of somebody's face mm-hmm. sort of stays while everything else around it fades to another scene and the face is there reacting. And then it... It was very strange. And huh. then there were at least three or four times that Elizabeth Olsen or Benedict Cumberbatch just look straight at camera and just look at you as if to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I had enjoyed this film more. I know people, friends of mine that that really did. Yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm happy for them. But this just felt this felt like an MCU parody to me. It was it was very strange. It was not at all what I was expecting. It makes me more intrigued and less intrigued at the same time. That's because what I thought it would do. To I you. wasn't very interested. <laughs> I, I've just kind of my interest has dropped off, like I've mentioned many times. Yeah. Yeah. And then after like everything, everywhere, all at once, which is the most multiverse, mo- like packed yeah. full of multiverse ever, um, I just didn't have any expectation that it was going to get anywhere near close to that. But just I don't know. I would like to see Marvel at its worst. <laughs> this honestly, this was this is probably my least favorite Marvel huh. movie, and that's including you know the Thor twos and and everything that people usually trash. Those, you liked it less than the Eternals? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Eternals still felt like a functional movie. This is more fun. Yeah. I you know I'm not I'm not going to debate whether it's fun and mm-hmm. whether people can enjoy it. And there's there's one sequence in it. You know all of the stuff that they teased in the trailer with Professor X and whatever that Illuminati group is. Yeah. That whole sequence is is great. Hmm. It's it's a good time. Uh, it's ten minutes of. Uh, of violence that really, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, how is this movie not R legitimately? Um, That, that sequence was really standout, but you also bring up an an interesting point. It, I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me, but I had just watched everything everywhere like three times (laughs) Yeah, and it's so much more successful Mm -hmm. and feels like such a more significant trip through an infinite number of universes. Right. This keeps saying they're an infinite number of universes, but yeah. it does not do a good job of showing them. There's this one great shot where uh, Scarlet Witch is kind of blinking back and forth between two universes, two realities. Mm-hmm. And it's her um, in the exact same pose. And the background just keeps hard jarring shift mm-hmm. from one universe to the next. And if they would have done more of that kind of stuff, yeah, could have been really interesting. But um I don't know. I don't know. I I really wish I could have seen Scott Derrickson's version. Um, I feel like this is maybe one of those things sort of like with Ant-Man and Edgar Wright. Um, Was he attached to it for a time? Quite a long time. Yeah. And then right before it was going into production, finally after a COVID delay, um, he departed for creative differences. And they kind of scrambled and hired Sam Raimi. Okay. And... um, you know, underneath all the the stuff I didn't like, there's I, I like what they're doing with the characters. Mm-hmm. I like the actual storyline 
you know, the, the base storyline. Um, I, I like where it's trying to move the, the Marvel universe. I just, I, it doesn't have, um, the, the tightness or the polish that, uh, that, that most Marvel movies do. Yeah. Um, it feels just a little too full of plot holes. Hmm. So I had to get that off my chest. Well, I appreciate you. You were telling me this. you're welcome. If, if you out there liked multiverse of madness, genuinely, I can see why you did. I'm happy for you. I just sat there and got more and more grumpy old man <laughs> as the thing went along. And then I really thought of you, Clint, by the end when there's just CG beasties and a CG temple and yeah, yeah. A, a floating CG camera that always makes things feel like a video game to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just meh. Meh. Yeah. Meh. Meh. All right. So uh, I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths and a drink and uh, what you've been watching about, Clint, and then we'll come back and I got some more. Okay. I, um, I've been in more of a television mode recently okay. rather than like any movies other than what we are going to talk about mm-hmm. in the, the coming moments that we have ahead of us. <laughs> that was so dramatic. The coming <laughs> moments. <laughs> it was my best Jeff Goldblum impression. <laughs> and it wasn't that great. That was good. It was good. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, I've been watching this um, new series on Apple that um, it's, uh, I think, five episodes in, and it's called The Shining Girls. You, Yeah, you mentioned that to me the other day. I know very little about it other than it has Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth Moss. And she is um, – well, I'll just read this blurb that they have for it. Uh, newspaper archivist Kirby uh, – Mazachi? Mazachi? Sure. Dreams of becoming a journalist. Uh, dreams of becoming a journalist are put on hold after she survives a brutal attack that leaves her in a constantly shifting reality. Ooh. And okay. uh, so, yeah, she's brutally attacked and left for dead by this man. And she's kind of trying to pick up the pieces of her life. And she's uh, working in this newspaper. And this there's another murder that happens or a murder that happens that's very similar to what happens to her and she's working at this paper and so she's kind of has like access to what's going on hmm. and she starts working with this reporter and or she goes to him and like tells him her story and she she doesn't want it to be told to anyone she just wants to like let him know that like hey this happened to me too and she starts getting involved with him and there's a lot of like her reality shifting around her. So like things will visually, just, like, visually, like things mm-hmm. will change. And she's like, from the beginning, she's keeping a journal and mm-hmm. she's trying to keep track of things that change. Like it's like the very beginning of the, the first episode, she wakes up and she has a cat. She comes home at night and she doesn't have a cat anymore. She has a dog. So she starts writing this down, and nobody else noticed this this mm-hmm. stuff. And so her reality is just completely fractured after this event. And um, she starts working with this reporter and diving deeper into the other cases, and more of her reality starts shifting and stuff. Okay. But it feels much like a really well-executed Stephen King story. And Ooh. this is based off a book um, – I can't remember the name of the author, but it, I think it's really great, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a very subtle, like sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, um, supernatural, like just around the edges, and there's stuff going, on, and you're not quite sure. And they're really good about not revealing too much too quickly. You're kind of getting it as she's getting it, and um, 
It's a really good just mystery at the center okay. of it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm I'm really intrigued because I mean, Apple is really stepping up. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've given me so many recommendations, and I've gotten to the point where if it's on Apple Plus, me too. I just jump on and start watching yeah. it. I I watched After Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a blast. I know it was so much fun. <laughs> uh, and I there was another series you had mentioned in previous weeks, and it was on Apple, and and I just jumped right in, and sure enough. Um, it was great. Yeah. Uh, it feels a lot like, uh, you know, HBO of, of 10 years ago. Right. Where just every dramatic series or, or every series was just hitting and, and clicking before yeah. everybody kind of jumped into the original programming. Right. See, um, but okay. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely have to watch that this week. I've also been on TV kick and I'm looking for something. I think you would enjoy it. Um, okay. it reminds me of that Stephen King, the, was it 1960, the one about JFK assassination? Oh, yeah. Like yep. it feels like that to Ooh, me. Okay. So I think you will enjoy it. I'm, All right. It's, it's really good. Awesome. Um, the next thing I'm going to talk about is the second season of this show that's on HBO max, um, I watched the first I think the first season came out last year. It's called Made for Love. Mm. Um I I can't believe you're about to talk about this. Yeah. I am in the process of watching season 1. Oh nice. Yeah, I I thought it was new cuz I yeah. was watching Barry and then I saw this thing I started watching it and I'm loving it and yeah. suddenly I realized, oh this show's been on for a while. Clint's definitely watched this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of in our downtime when we were, yeah. weren't recording and I really I really liked the first season and uh I was happy the second one came out, so I had a reminder to talk about it. Um, So the blurb for this one is, a woman is on the run after 10 years in a suffocating marriage to a tech billionaire who has implanted a monitoring device (laughs) in her brain, allowing him to track her, watch her, and know her emotional data. And then she's trying to regain her freedom from this situation. And it's it's really funny and it really kind of – it's got this lightness to it. But also it would be a really um, – like a Black Mirror episode. That mm-hmm. would be a really good Black Mirror episode. I love all this stuff that's splintered – kind of splintered off from Black Mirror. Yeah. That's like pushing the ideas a little farther yeah. and like expanding, well, expanding like on Severance them. was like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this has got uh, Kristen Malati, who plays Hazel, who is the titular mother in uh, about uh, how, how I, I met, met your mother. mother. Spoiler, and uh, Ray Romano plays her mean, dad. Ray Romano, <laughs> don't I don't know where it goes with him right okay, now because okay. I'm only I think four or five episodes yeah. in season one. Yeah, he is the most bizarre and <laughs> lovable character. That doesn't stop. Uh, awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome. It's it's great. He's fantastic throughout. I love Ray Romano. <laughs> I love their relationship. Yep. Um, but it's just a really I love the the Gogol. He's the tech billionaire works his last name, he's changed it to Gogol. Um, and it's a, like a Google um uh, like cut tech company. And I love just I love everything they're doing with it. It's it's just a really fun but also interesting world. And it's yeah. if you like severance, you would like this yeah. this show. And it, it pushes the comedy a little bit more yeah. um ahead of like like than that did, um, it's more of a priority. But also, it's like you care for the characters and everything. Yeah. It's really interesting. I really enjoy yeah. it. I'm digging the the very subtle uh, because they do the same thing as they did with Severance, where it's a it's not like some secret uh, technology. This is yeah. something that's out there and people know about, right? And so that that makes it more intriguing when uh, you know a, a character 
who's on the inside of this is now interacting with the outside world. Yeah, and in, in the second season, they play with that even more. It's awesome. kind of, they kind of do severance things where they have to go before, um, like the Senate to talk about like what what implications this would yeah. like play in in society and mm-hmm. like they're kind of okayed for certain levels of using it, but like they're trying to push it farther mm-hmm. and outside of the what they were okayed yeah. for. Yeah, it's definitely good fun. Yeah. <laughs> um. The next thing is uh, this was a show that man I I hadn't like checked it out but it when award scenes were award season was happening it was winning a bunch of awards for best writing best series and it's called Hacks and it's on mm. HBO Max too and it's got Jean Smart and she's kind of this Vegas um comedian like just in her like set in her little cube of the world like just doing shows every day and she's kind of she was in her earlier life a really respected comedian but now she's just kind of like a hack comedian working in um vegas and um this uh kind of millennial comedian who gets um kind of outsed from her writing gig because she tweets something that's not very appropriate or like she gets canceled um it needs a job so she goes and starts like writing for her and they have this very um rough relationship and they don't really <laughs> like each other but they're mm-hmm. kind of stuck with each other and they're as the series goes on their relationship forms more and it's I think from the creators and writers of Broad City and Parks and Rec. So it's got a really good sense of humor to it. It's really, at moments, really, really dark. And I really appreciate it for that. Like it goes and like does really dark things that catch me off guard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they really did that? That's amazing. Like that on this show that they're really pushing the comedy, like the comedy in that mm-hmm. direction. And it's not not just it's it's lighthearted and it's like you care for the characters and everything but then they push them in these directions you're not expecting and i I really enjoy it for that and they're really i don't know doing a good job it like exploring a woman in this kind of a um environment Mm -hmm. like in the comedy scene and how they how they go into like how she came up and there's a lot of sexism and stuff and Mm -hmm. And and what's the time period on this? Current, oh, current okay. times. Yeah. So it's just when she was younger. Yeah, yeah. Like when and they don't like do flashbacks or anything. But the um, the writer that that's working with her, played by uh, Hannah Einbinder. That's like the best name I've heard in a long time. I just like yeah. saying it. Hannah Einbinder. Um, she is very like um, modern and just very. I guess the word we woke. Well, <laughs> we don't use that word here, Clint. <laughs> That's a loaded term. But like, she's uh, very aware of the current times, yeah. and she can tell that this woman is kind of stuck in the Stone Age a little mm-hmm. bit. And she's kind of making her more aware of like the things that you put up with when you gotcha. were coming up in comedy. Mm-hmm. You should not have put up with. Like, gotcha. you should. And like, they're kind of like adjusting to each other and like mm-hmm. growing together in this really interesting way. And I, mm-hmm. I really like it. Um, okay. It's really well written. The second season just started. So I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. When I was growing up, we had a word uh, that <laughs> meant what woke means now. Yeah. And it's this word. I don't know if you've heard of it. Empathetic. <laughs> and empathetic is when you can, you know, feel empathy for yeah. uh, the lives of other people, even if those lives, Clint, 
are completely different than yours. And so uh, I guess they shortened it to one syllable so they could scream it louder and angrier. But uh, I'm here to tell you, woke, it's just empathy. That's, that's all well, it is. Well, I mean, <laughs> I might have used it improperly. Like I meant you like- You used <laughs> it very properly, Clint. You were dead on. This is just my subtle jab at everybody who gets all worked up about yeah. people who are just trying to be nice to other humans. Or being aware that like the things that you are putting on other people is not appropriate. Yeah. Like how yeah. you are treating someone else is- not yeah. really like why we put up with yeah. this for so long. Just because it's something okay in your world doesn't mean it's okay. Right. It just means that it's okay in your in your perspective right. or your world. Yeah. And you're um, actually an ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't going to go that far, but I'm nah. also not going to sit here and disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> right. So what else have you been watching about other than <laughs> that was what else? Have, have you, you, dear friend, been watching Tell about? me, dear Kenneth. Uh, I have been watching this great series. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll just, you know, I already kind of called it a great series. But uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. I've been watching this too. And excellent. Yeah. This is on FX. And this is, uh, without a doubt, the show that I wanted True Detective Season 2 to be. Yeah. After True Detective Season 1, I love the idea of an anthology, and now we're going to go to different characters. And uh, But I uh, I think we even talked about early on True Detective uh, kind of past Season 1. It's one of those. It just always is a, a disappointing series to me. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like what it started out to be. Yeah. And this is by no means taking its cues from True Detective Season 1. It just yeah. feels like... That that very grounded um, uh, true crime tale, but it has this very strange and palpable kind of religious overtone to it. Uh -huh. And it's about a, a murder in a, a Mormon community yeah. in Utah in the, I don't know, what is this, the 70s or 80s? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely a period piece, but um, it's it's so interesting to me, not only the story— and not only what they're doing with it, uh, but just how it's weaving in kind of the idea of mainstream versus extreme religion mm -hmm. and what that kind of does to people uh, in an otherwise idyllic community. Yeah. Um, and this this stars Andrew Garfield, who mm -hmm. I am absolutely just uh, taken by in mm -hmm. this. He's so good in this. And it's got a really good cast. And at first, I struggled a little bit because you meet the family that is probably responsible for these murders yeah. or that's involved in these murders somehow. But my brain had a really hard time understanding how in the world is this going to get from this family with some, you know, just normal domestic issues yeah. to full-blown crazy religious zealotry and murder mm -hmm. and, and all of these things, including of a child. Um, and what I've been most impressed by, I think it's on episode five now, what I've been most impressed by is I can see where they're going and I'm buying it. I'm really buying that progression of yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that slip into religious extremism. Yeah. Like the one way, part of the family just kind of slowly seeding yep. this, this thought process yep. with the rest of the family. Yeah. It's really interesting. And with guilt and shame being able to constantly push it further and further and further. Yeah. Uh, and kind of getting caught up in their own 
uh, lie or zealotry or interpretation or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. they're they're getting caught up in it too. It's mm-hmm. not just an outright manipulation. It's it's much darker than that. But it's it's really this. Uh, it, you know, at the center of this this is this detective played by Andrew Garfield, who's a Mormon, and he's having a, a real, uh, I think, even visually interesting crisis of faith mm-hmm. as this is unfolding. Because he's kind of his own religious, like, form of re- religious zealot, yeah. and too, because – but just more towards the mainstream where yeah. this is currently accepted, but you're all – he's also, like, not willing to bend until this story continues to go on yeah. and he's starting to question. And he's he's questioning everything he's believed, yeah. but he's really struggling with it. Yeah. And this is, this is by no means something that feels like it's out to get Mormons. I'm sure – if a Mormon was watching this, yeah. like a, a faithful Mormon, they would be very upset at this show. Yeah. But but <laughs> I I feel like it's not it's not trying to target the the belief system itself. It's trying to target the way that belief systems can be used, manipulated, how they come about, how things are edited and altered as you know a religion develops throughout its history and and those sorts of things are very fascinating to me and kind of this the danger of unquestioning yep like not being able to question at all and that yep. that whole, that line that they keep saying about just put it on the shelf Ugh. just put it on the shelf like every time they say it it like makes me flash back <laughs> to like some <laughs> earlier days of my life and it, like not that that line was ever said but it just puts me in a very like strong mental place. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we both grew up in a in a version of Christianity that I don't it was good people. I don't think they meant to do that, but really when there wasn't a good answer for something, it was automatically, well, that's what faith is for. Don't right. ask that question. Yeah. If you ask that question, you're wandering into territory that's bad for your faith. Mm-hmm. And that 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 whole lifestyle just really uh put this um almost almost like this uh what do you call it around questions as if questions right. themselves were inherently bad yeah instead of the thing that helps you to either firm up or or figure out what you believe or or whatever that is mm-hmm. questions are so valuable in that uh and the the tighter a group has control over those questions and their your response to those questions, the more I think that that they're able to manipulate and right exactly and that's, that gets yeah. really scary. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, but under the banner of heaven, fantastic show. Also, um, yeah, it has um, Daisy Edgar Jones, who we're going to talk mm-hmm. about in Fresh, and um, Sam Worthington and Wyatt Russell. It's Man, got a great cast. Yeah, it has a really good cast. Wyatt mm-hmm. Russell, his performance sometimes baffles me. Like he's so committed to. I don't know if he's like specifically going after being like a character of an actual person or is this is something he's created, but it's a very interesting performance yeah. that he's putting on. Yeah, it. for sure. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, this is, this is the show that I just, uh, along with what I'm going to talk about next, I look forward to it every week now. Yeah. This one and um, the, the shining girls, mm. I keep like each there. I'm, like looking forward to them every yep. week, the next one popping up. So that yeah. one uh, with, with under the banner of heaven, I keep pulling up Hulu because my brain will forget when it, when the new episode's I coming the and same I'm like, thing. Oh, okay. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just a little longer. Uh, the next show is exactly like that, but it's in its sixth season. It's just better call Saul. Mm-hmm. And I've mentioned this before this show, um, the, the breaking bad universe. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they have in the water. 
but I love this show. Vince and, Gilligan. Uh, it, yeah. And it just, yeah. it, it continues to impress. Uh, Better Call Saul, not this last episode. It was kind of a calm after the storm episode. But the episode before that focused on uh, one of my favorite characters just from this show, Nacho, mm-hmm. and uh, is is easily in, in my top 10 of episodes that include Breaking Bad episodes. Uh-huh. Uh, and it just, it was such a, a good episode of television. Yeah. Um, and it's only, I think, two more episodes before the mid-season finale, and okay. they're taking a break for, uh, I think, two months, and then okay. they're doing kind of part two of it. Uh, but very interested where it's going. Uh, and then I also, did you notice that Strange New Worlds popped up? Uh, I The new did, Star Trek yeah. series. I love it. Really? It is only two episodes in. Okay. And it actually threw me off at first, both episodes, because it is such a kind of wholesome throwback to old Star Trek. Yeah. The, okay, here's the plot of this episode, and we're going to resolve it by the end of this episode. Oh, And nice. then the next episode is a whole other planet and a whole other problem, and it really feels like that original Star Trek, mm. we're just off on adventures. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that'll produce, you know, some episodes that are much better than others. There's some wonky stuff in the second one, even though it's kind of cute and retro. But by the end of it, what they do with it, I'm like, okay, all right. even when you're being cute and retro, mm-hmm. you found some some deep things to do with that by the end. That's cool. Um, and I just, I love the characters. They've, they've introduced a couple of new characters. And I get the sense Spock's on there and Uhura is a cadet. Okay. And I get the sense that the probably every season they're probably going to add one or two uh, original uh, Star Trek characters. Oh, okay. So I'm looking forward to what they do with the Chekhov and the Sulu yeah, and, yeah. and Scotty and things like that, if they go in that direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a guy with a very 70s or maybe even 60s mustache, <laughs> and they call him Kirk. And at first I'm like, this is the guy that they're casting as, as Kirk? But no, it's uh, I forget his name, but he's like Kirk's older brother in canon. And he's on the Enterprise, and he just looks like a schmuck. But I'm sure they'll kill him at some point, and that's yeah. how— uh, James Kirk gets on the ship, but uh, it's just, it's, it's a fun, light, uh, throwback. Uh, I'm enjoying nice. it so far. That's good. I need to check it out. Yeah. It just, it made me happy after discovery has, has been kind of a struggle and yeah. I did not, I did watch the, uh, last two episodes of Picard season two, mm-hmm. man, that thing just picked a trajectory downward and held to it. God bless that show. It just, you know what? We're going for bad. Huh. We got there. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what they were doing. Anyway, uh, and that's that's pretty much all I've watched. I did have a question for you. Did you see the casting news this week for Dune 2? I did. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken yeah. is the emperor of the universe. I was so on board with that. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I was curious what you would think of that. I'm, oh, I I'm, love Christopher Walken yeah. so much. Like I'm so into that. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what uh, what they do with him uh, with those style of characters because I haven't seen Christopher Walken do real dark villainy for yeah. for probably a decade. Yeah. But yeah. He's a scary guy. When he would do um, what was that? Was that King of New York or True? Ro- no, it's True Romance. Okay, where he's the uh, he just shows up for a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's just this very uh, soft spoken but intimidating gangster. Mm-hmm. And I I remember when that was the norm. Christopher Walken would just do these very dark and kind of unsettling roles. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And then they cast Florence Pugh 
as um, oh, what's her name, Shadeen or whatever the princess is. Yeah, uh, that's his daughter. And then they also cast. uh, wow, I should have written this all down. Fade. <laughs> I just read about this. Uh, but, you know, the anti-Paul. Uh, uh-huh. They just cast him, too. And I don't recognize the actor, okay. but he's got a good face for it. Okay. He's the right look. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure if if he's being cast, they yeah. have confidence in what he's going to bring to the screen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. So you're happy with walking there. Oh, I'm so, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this week we are talking about four movies because we got ambitious. Uh, we are talking about uh, Moonfall, Fresh, Surge, and Meander. This is another one of those weeks where I just realized all of these are like one word titles. Um, these are good for my brain. I can remember them. Good. But let's start <laughs> with Moonfall. Uh, this is director Roland Emmerich's latest uh, CG tech demo. Uh, the world stands <laughs> on the break of annihilation when a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit and sends it hurtling towards a collision course with Earth. With only weeks before impact, NASA executive Yosinda Joe Fowler teams up with a man from her past and a conspiracy theorist, of course, for an impossible mission into space to save humanity. Clint. What did you think of uh, this abomination to cinema? Well, I already got your opinion on it. Okay. Um, I I think I was the one who recommended this you somehow. You did. I don't know why I keep doing this. I So the last time you got on such a, a tear about how I had recommended Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origin. Yeah. And how dare I recommend this? It wasn't a recommendation. I just said, oh, we can do this. It looks dumb and fun. Uh, so <laughs> just go on. But I, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. I guess I I saw, oh, we got this handful of nice little indie films that maybe not many people have heard of. They'll throw a wrench in that and have this big action, like crazy spectacle of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized I haven't watched a movie like this in a while. I've been very, um, very deliberate. I try to be, because <laughs> movies are long. Movies are long. I try to be deliberate in the movies I watch, and I, I want some quality in there. And this looked fun, so I was like, I want to see what Emmerich's up to these days. And let's just say they haven't improved much since the no. last time he's made a movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I think the last one I saw was uh, uh, 2012. Was that it? What was that, the movie yes. where it's the end of the world one? Yeah, all of his movies are the end of yeah. the world. But yes, yeah, yeah. that one was the one where they they race in the limo <laughs> running from the earthquake and the splitting ground, and then they get in the plane and take off just in time. Well, this has that all basically that scene too yeah, at one moment. Uh, but with shifting gravity. Um, and I'm just going to – this sums it up. My I made Jenny watch this with me. And she, her quote was, man, I haven't seen a movie that bad in a long time. And that's how I felt too. I haven't seen a movie this bad in a yeah. while. It is – like the CG hasn't got better since 2012. I don't know like if he works with the same effects house and he's just like, there's a filter they put on. They're just like, here, just push this. We have a bunch of effects. More debris. <laughs> we, they just have like a like a, yeah. a ca- cachet of like effects left over from uh, 
2012 or what other movie mm -hmm. he's done. And there's like, I just throw this in, but it makes the gravity all crazy. Um, this was a bad movie, Ken. What, what do you have to say about it? I feel like at one point, Roland was like, uh, I know you thought I said a lot of effects, but I want all the effects <laughs> on the screen at once or you're fired. This movie was such a migraine yeah. for me, just watching it. it it's so busy mm -hmm. and it's so cluttered. Uh, half the time, I couldn't even tell what was happening, uh, much less the fact that my brain would not let go of the fact that any amount of mass of this size mm -hmm. approaching the earth like this, like the moon has certain things that it regulates on our planet. Right. Our ocean levels. I mean, from for that example. distance, it like yeah, it takes like uh, our, affects our tides yeah. from what? Yeah. How this, many miles away is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is the most loosey goosey physics I've yeah. seen in a movie in a long time. Because they um, start off saying how like if, once it gets in this certain orbital range of the Earth, it's going to start like breaking up and destroy the Earth because it's. You know, yeah. it brings in all of the moon debris. And they get rid of that pretty quickly. Yeah. And from everything I understand, uh, if the moon even starts to head this way, uh, or even a large chunk of the moon started to head this way, uh, we're already dead. Because the oceans and what would happen with everything that, that the moon and, and this equilibrium we have. Uh, but I don't want to get bogged down on this because clearly the filmmakers didn't. This is a bad movie. <laughs> This is bad performances. This is bad oh, script. This is uh, every level of this is being dialed in except for what I imagine is Roland Emmerich with a giant megaphone screaming at everybody as to what he needs to happen next. Yeah, it's somehow it's like the Matrix is crammed in here into <sighs> Independence Day, but then it's also 2012. It's half a Transformers yeah, sequel. Yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> it made me like question like is Patrick Wilson a good actor I think Patrick Wilson in the correct role yeah. you go to something dark like Hard Candy uh, or things like that The he's, Conjuring I like him in those he's a good actor yeah. he just has to have the right uh, either every man or every creep kind of role yeah and when he's just playing uh, He's just like Joe Schmo yeah. guy, divorced dad. Yeah. Man, this has so many like tropes, tropes, yep. cliches like that Roland Emmerich has in every single one. This is somehow com almost completely devoid of humor. It's so mm. overly serious that makes it so unfun to watch. After all these years, I'm so tired of the trope of here's somebody legitimate that should be involved in whatever's happening. And then here are all the quirky characters that they sort of collect Yeah, that also just get upgraded to full-blown astronaut. <laughs> um, like Who's the conspiracy theorist. Calling himself oh. a doctor. Yeah. And then you realize at the end when he says, oh, I'm not really a doctor. Yeah. And like, so like, who are you? You really yeah. are just yeah. a conspiracy theorist who like somehow wormed your way in here. Like, why was anyone listening to you? Because yeah. you can do some math. And where are the levels of security in any yes. of these movies? Like at some point, even go back to Independence Day, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum's bringing along his dad. Yeah. Like, how does his dad get anywhere near <laughs> 
a presidential level meeting, mm-hmm. but there he is over in the doorway. Well, they got just, bigger fish to fry. The world is ending. We can't guess, worry about this one guy being there. But the Secret Service doesn't. The Secret yeah. Service or whoever, you know, is in charge of security, they're not there to fix the world's problem. They're there to make sure idiots like this conspiracy theorist don't get near important people. <laughs> anyway, it just I feel like to go through piece by piece of this movie is just an absolute waste of time because there was virtually nothing in this movie that I enjoyed. Can you tell me why Donald Sutherland shows up for like two nope. minutes? No clue. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> was they he walking just... by the set one day and they're like, hey, you want to be in this? I think they were just driving by actors' houses and doing cold calls. They just kind of <laughs> knock on the door with a green screen like, hey, uh, you know, 50 bucks if, if you show up in our movie. And Donald Sutherland was just like, yeah, sure, come on. I ain't nothing going on. Yeah. And they just shot it out by his pole or something. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I I do know I am more than happy to see these movies just kind of go the way of the buffalo. And I want to talk about oof. for a second though the the sequence that is kind of the chase sequence in this, where okay. somehow they keep encountering like the the son of Patrick Wilson um, is encountering these group of people who they get carjacked by, and mm-hmm. then there's that. And, entire kind of chase sequence while everything's crashing in, but then the gravity's shifting and everything. Like, that was one of the worst-looking scenes. Like, yep. that was that looked like it was filmed by somebody's pool. And and that, it just that, at, at the very base level, really upsets me because it's one of those, if things are happening to you at that level of destruction around you, there's no, just because, uh, it's like in 2012, just because the crack in the earth is not right below your car. yeah. Does not mean your car is still able to drive. Like the ground is connected to other ground. Yeah. And so what happens back here is going to happen up in front of it too. There's going to be an effect. It always feels like in these chase scenes that he loves to do, whatever the the central element is, is very floaty and impervious to any debilitating damage. And that's not how the human body works. It's not how cars work. It's not how anything works. That's not how space shuttles work. They cannot fly through water. Yeah. Will you tell me how that works? It doesn't. <laughs> okay. It doesn't. Have you ever seen like a video of what happens when a bullet hits the water? Yeah, it gets yeah. slowed down very Real quickly. fast. Yeah. yeah, it's the most ineffective uh, projectile ever. Um, so the idea of anything traveling at any amount of speed hitting dense water. No. Well, I don't think that's how um, rocket engines work. No. I think they are no. going to be extinguished, right? Yeah. Okay. I, again, though, <laughs> keep in mind, if this were the least bit real, the minute they were like, man, the moon shifted, uh, you know, three miles, uh, somebody else would be like, yeah, that's that's why we're all underwater. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. This this was a movie. Uh, the next movie we're talking about is uh, a little horror thriller that is on uh, Hulu, and it's called Fresh, and it's been getting really good buzz. Um, basically, it stars Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones. And the official description just says, the horrors of modern dating are seen through the eyes of a young woman who is battling to survive her new boyfriend's unusual appetites. Clint, what did you think of Fresh? I, um... No gravity shifting in this one. (laughs) I was disappointed about that. Yeah. There was not enough gravity shifting in this movie. Lack of ambition. Yeah. (laughs) No conspiracy theorists talking about megastructures. Yeah. 
It's a bummer. I um I thought it was a fun little indie horror mm-hmm. movie. I um I think it there was always moments in it where I was wishing it would go a little further with it. Like it could have got really gnarly <laughs> like with the subject matter of it in the literal sense of gnarl yeah, yeah yeah um but they're the characters like i i really like sebastian stan and um uh, daisy edgar jones mm-hmm. um i think they carried the movie really well and made it very believable that these two um characters would come together and like fall for each other and then i like how it's subverted yeah. and um Revealed that this guy kind of has a unusual appetite. Unusual appetite. <laughs> um, and I like what they did with that element. I like the element. I'm, I'm just going to spoil it right, right now. Here we go. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. That he's not just like a cannibal for his own sake. I like that it's kind of like monetized yeah. it. And he has this um, system in place where he's feeding the other weirdos of the world the weird and wealthy <laughs> the weird and wealthy i love the shots where it just shows them getting packages yeah in the mail yeah. and and unwrapping these cuts of meat yeah uh, yeah i think it did that the thing that i really um was always in hannibal the mm-hmm. show where they would really make it look very appetizing but then mm-hmm. you strip away and you realize what it actually is and you they know, make it very decadent in that in that um very high class way mm-hmm. but then you the disgusting aspect of it that all oh, this is human flesh yeah <laughs> I, I think they pulled that off really well yeah. too yeah so what do you think about it same exact thing uh it was it was a good time i don't think I had I had read a lot of the buzz. Yeah. And there seems to be with the horror genre right now a lot of buzz when something is good to very good, where this is the best horror yeah. that has. And I, I need to stop listening to that. I know. I'm sure this is really creepy and the best horror for somebody right. who uh, you know, just really gets unsettled by by what's happening here. But I, I thought it was kind of tame. Me too. Uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. still R and it earns its R. But at the same time, uh, I've seen far more disturbing visuals uh, in the Hannibal TV series. Yeah. I think there were far more disturbing visuals. And that's, you know, airing at 9 or 10 o'clock on NBC. Right. Um, so I was, I was a little disappointed there. But again, this is one of those movies where I think my expectations were the only thing really working against yeah. it. Uh, I love Sebastian Stan in this. He's having a blast. Yeah. Uh, And he does a a really slick kind of chameleon performance. Mm -hmm. Um, The movie, just in its structure and everything, reminded me a lot of Get Out. Yeah. Uh, Get Out's a better film, but um, it it, it had those moments of you're not sure who to trust or how to trust them or how much to trust them. Okay, is you know where is this line? Is she really buying into this? Is this just survival? Yep. They did a really good job of masking that, so you are starting to ask some some questions about character motivation or yep. or their reactions. You know what what level of of uh, of psychosis here are we dealing with? And I appreciated that it wasn't all kind of uh, there to know what was happening in, in every character's brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they did a really good job of her playing with him. Yeah. And just like you said, how much is she 
fall kind of refalling for him, mm-hmm. even though she's come to the realization of this what kind of a horrible yeah. man he is. But I like that how they subvert that and it's yeah. really interesting. I think it would have been more successful. Like I really like the tone of the film. Like it really like kind of sets up that kind of romantic mm-hmm. comedy. Um I, I feel like a lot of movies really annoy me when they're they're trying to make you believe that these two characters would come together and they actually are falling for each other. It gets too quippy and like yeah. too well written. And I think this like the this probably is a testament to the actors. Yeah. They I really believed these characters would fall for each other and I I was rooting for them even though I knew this is a horror movie and it's going to go horrible, yeah. but I believe that aspect of it. And um so I think that being like if, as it went along, if they had kind of pushed against that even further and kind of switched the tone, like yeah. kind of like once you realized it, um, what was really happening, the romantic comedy aspect kind of falls away and it and it gets really horror. Yeah. That might have been really interesting. I think I also would have liked it a little bit more too, and it would have been a much trickier balance if instead of him having a wife, this is a story of her becoming that wife who yeah. buys into this whole thing, but not from a, a a trauma I've been victimized direction, but almost of a, I didn't realize I was a, a masochist until I right. fell in love with this guy. I was subjected to these things and I'm legitimately having a reaction to them. I'm I'm starting to develop this taste for I kind of thought that things. might be what they were doing. That's what I thought too. I, yeah. I at one point, especially that dinner scene, I was like, is this, you know, she's she's basically going to become the new wife. Yeah. And this thing's going to end with them having dinner that is the ex-wife. Um I even though I really did like that the wife aspect yeah. of it. And I yeah. really liked the reveal of that she was a part of yeah. this. And then she kind of becomes his yeah. wife. Like mm-hmm. she maybe does the same thing that she was doing, but then she went further with it mm-hmm. and she kind of actually did commit to it. I I, I did enjoy that aspect of that, that reveal of like her legs gone or both yeah. legs. Like, oh, it was a really interesting idea yeah. for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 this is one of those movies that that I just enjoyed, and mm-hmm. I I thought it was really well done. Is it one I'm I'm going to run back to and watch again? I no, probably not. It, it wasn't something that had something incredibly special or something that I felt the need to watch again or that I hadn't picked up on the first time. Or it was just you know it was a it was a decent to it was a, it was a good to very good. Yeah, I think it was film. a better horror movie than I've seen uh, yeah. at a, like compared to a lot of things. Like it was one where I got through it and it never lost me, yeah. which like that can happen pretty frequently with horror movies for me. Like it it could start off strong and well, in this one there's there's several places where it really could have gone off the rails yeah. and lost me or just gotten too cute for its own good uh, or too self-aware. Yeah, for its own good, and and I I think it walked a very uh, narrow kind of line there. I did really enjoy the very get out moment at the end where her it was her roommate or friend shows up to the house and realizes like what's going on. And he and he just straight up leaves. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like I I like that yeah. that turn. That was fun. <laughs> All right, our next movie is Surge, and this is actually I. 
I guess I had flipped past this on Amazon at different times, but had not paid it any attention until you texted me and said, this might be worth checking out. It's from 2020, and it stars Ben uh, Wishaw, who most people will recognize as Q from Mm -hmm. uh, the new Bond flicks. Um, Can I interrupt you for one second? And. This is going to jump back to Moonfall for a second. Okay. But did, and I know, please correct me. There's a moment in that where they have Q level clearance. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. That just, yes. That you, just, yeah. And 100% was that intentional. Okay. It just, yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, so Surge stars Ben Wishaw, and it's about a man who, uh, the description says, goes on a bold and reckless journey of self-liberation self-liber- uh, self mm-hmm. in the city of London. Uh, Clint, what'd you think of Surge? What what made you text me with this one? Well, I was kind of the same way, uh, both that you were, that like I just kept flipping by it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's Ben Wishaw. I really enjoy him. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I thought it was a, and I wasn't thinking about the spelling. I thought it was a Serge Gainsbourg, the the um, musician, like uh-huh. biography movie, <laughs> and like he was playing him. Oh, it totally is. This, this is what happened. <laughs> and so I, I was like, oh, uh, I, he's playing Serge Gainsbourg, and then I like, I was like, oh, that's not how you spell his name. At some point, and so I looked it up, yeah. and I was like, oh, that seems interesting. And I watched the trailer and looked cool. Um, and I, I was super surprised by this movie. I hadn't heard anything about it, mm-hmm. um, and so I went in kind of blind. And I thought Ben Wishaw was fantastic in it. This gave me the the same kind of feelings that that movie Good Times gave oh, me. Oh, with Robert Pattinson, Robert, which I yep. love that movie. I, this reminded me of that a few times. Yeah, yeah, and not in a way where it's like trying, like no, oh, no, we're no, trying no. to do it, but do the same thing as them. Yeah. Uh, the um, the Saudi brothers, what are their names? The, the Safdi. Safdi brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave me that same feeling, like you really are f- on this journey with this person and and it's uncomfortable and really unnerving and stressful. But at the same time, you're just sucked into this, to the kind of the orbit of this person. You can't get out of it. And then I was, I was really blown away by it. And um, I, I like that it was kind of, the actual a really well depicted version of what like a manic breakdown would look like if you were str- like it keeps saying like in the thing like he's this like self discover what what was what was the thing the pl- self liberation self liberation i yeah. don't feel like it that way at all i yeah. feel like it was this person is going through a mental traumatic breakdown and he's done this numerous times in his life and his parents don't know how to control it don't know what to do for him and like They've almost given up on him yeah. and he can't escape it. But like he's just kind of accepting that this is who he is. Mm-hmm. And I never felt like it was this liberation thing. It was more like this man needs help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what did you think of it? I was it's been a long time since I've seen uh such a strong just performance piece. Yeah. And that's not to say that the movie and all of its other elements are not uh, strong too. Yeah. But but this is this is something. It's it's one of those movies where the camera locks on mm-hmm. the character and just watches them unravel. 
and to really, really convincing effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I already liked him as an actor. This blew me away yeah. as far as what he pulls off in this movie. He really commits mm-hmm. to to this role. And it. there were multiple times it stops feeling like you're watching a performance yeah. and really feels a little too much like you're watching a, an actual breakdown, an actual manic. His mannerisms are so convincing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and just some of the performance decisions he makes with his mannerisms and his yeah. expressions that you can feel things coming loose before they actually do mm-hmm. or before they actually break. There are subtle things happening that clue you into, oh, this the next level is about to kind of blow up on this guy. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me in some ways of there's, there's a movie uh, that – that I have pretty good affection for, but is definitely dated, Falling Down, Mm -hmm. that starred Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall. And very similar to this in in its intentions. But I think this is much more, Falling Down was much more of a, you know, what would happen if somebody got really angry and just, they were tired of traffic and they were tired of LA heat. And they just went on a rampage. This doesn't feel like somebody that is is trying to go on a rampage or somebody who is inherently violent or anything like that. This this really does feel like just sort of a, a splintering of a mind that was already pretty damaged to begin with. Right, right. I mean, clearly, like, there's that scene earlier on where he's working at the airport mm-hmm. and he has that interaction with that person who recognizes him. And, like, he's clearly not probably in the best situation either and maybe similar situation yeah. to him. And so you get the like the sense that this person has a past yeah. that um, is kind of coming back to haunt him yeah. in a way. And I, I thought like subtle stuff like that was a really interesting way of telling the story and giving you little insights into this person without like outright saying it or having these yeah. – big conversations with like his family or anything. It was really subtly done. And and I'm gonna have a hard time explaining this next part, I think, but I I get a sense and and I can tell when a performance is really tapping into what would be actual mental illness Mm -hmm. or or what it would look like. Because um I've never struggled with any severe mental illnesses. But I think your brain is wired to recognize certain symptoms. Yeah. And when you're watching a performance and your brain is starting to react in a way that suggests something is dangerous in the room or something might be wrong with you or like I could feel these stress moments in my brain where my brain was reacting not to watching a movie, but to this, this is, this is real. Yeah, this yeah. is something that that your brain knows how to identify and throw up some red flags or, or set off some alarms for, like and some kind of primal thing in yes, your brain. Yeah, 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 where you just recognize if you're seeing a human being and they're exhibiting these signs, you need to get away from them, right? Because you're in danger. Mm-hmm. And and my brain kept getting into that mode. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same thing. I've had that same feeling watching like uncut gems and yeah. it's these movies where I feel like it's triggering almost like a panic attack mm-hmm. where I start to feel these very deep and, and primal kind of scary reactions to something, even though I know consciously that I'm just watching, you know, a perfectly healthy actor just do something amazing on a movie screen. Right. Uh, and, and so that, 
really upped this experience because it felt so real and and just dangerous is the wrong word, but it just felt like there is a threat here. Right. And my brain kept trying to withdraw from it. Yeah. I, I kept having the reaction too that um, I was never kind of in a judgmental place mm-hmm. with like, why is he doing this or he shouldn't be doing this? It was more like everyone around him, like help him. Yeah. Like he needs help. Like somebody please just help him yeah. and recognize that something's not right with him and he's not trying to do this maliciously. Like there's something like, it, like some part of his brain has broken where he cannot recognize that he's doing something yeah. wrong. And that's the whole thing, like saying leads up to kind of like the falling down or the 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 description of the movie. It's just like, I feel like he has no will over, like, over yeah. this. He's just, it's like complete primal reaction that he's having yeah. to the moment. Like, oh, this moment, I need money right now to go get this cord for this girl that I like. Okay, I'm gonna rob a bank, and then that, and then and he that's gets perfectly normal. That's perfectly normal, yeah. and it gives him this thrill that he didn't realize he was gonna get, and then that's the the catalyst yeah. for all of it. And uh, and man, I just loved some of the moments where like the rea- the reactions he has to other people, like mm-hmm. the moment where he he's been having issues with a guy who lives out like lives near him in his apartment, and he s- steals his um, four wheeler, mm-hmm. and that where he crashes it. And the moments that ensue afterwards where he's like gets into a fist fight with this guy in the car and then like and he's like kind of happy and he's kind of like, oh, like that was fun. Yeah. There was that was fun. Like, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my gosh. I, I love those moments. And it was yeah. such like an interesting, interesting turns to every reaction or interaction that he had. Yeah. And it was cool. Yeah. Now I I I'm very, very glad you recommended this. Uh, I, I would recommend it uh, to anybody that that likes a, a challenging drama, yeah, or just a really strong performance film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was, it was top notch, and and definitely better than and and at the same time not what I expected. Right, and so I, you know, just like everybody else that's reacting to him, I'm watching this. Just where is this going to go next? Yeah. What is going to happen next? At, at some point, how far can this go mm-hmm. before there's a self-destructive moment or just a you know, whatever it is? Uh, it just it and it it doesn't let up. No, and I actually the the end of the movie I felt like in how it ends mm-hmm. I felt like such a relief mm-hmm. for him and I feel like he did too and how what happens with him yeah. and then the choice of music that goes with it and how that was kind of tied into the scene yeah. and it was just really well executed and um like orchestrated in how they put that together I I really um was surprised by it it was cool all right. Well, our final movie is our Cinetron pick from last time. Uh, it is called Meander, and this was released in 2020. I I had watched this once upon a time, uh, right in the middle of COVID. I'm curious your reaction here in a second, uh, just because when I watched it, we were locked down, couldn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. And so I, I'm curious uh, if my reaction is based more on that than yours. But it's basically uh, a woman who wakes up. She's been locked in a series of bizarre tubes filled with dangerous traps. Uh Uh, And I told you last time, 
I, I think I told you this is not just a mm-hmm. um, a, a hostile kind of thing where it's just or cube or, or even cube, cube kind of is weird. Too. Yeah, cube gets pretty sci-fi. Yeah, uh, but there's no way to talk about this movie without getting a little spoilery. Yeah. So just warning at the top after you know we talk about what our general thought was. But um, Clint, what'd you think of Meander? I honestly really like this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was not anticipating that. Really? I I I've been trying to do this thing where I I didn't watch anything for it. Good. I watched, Good. read the description. It mm-hmm. sounded interesting. I've been trying to do this more often, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, so I just knew a woman's going to get stuck in some tubes. Tubes. It's it's a funny premise. What's she going to do? Is this going to be like a hamster situation? <laughs> like. Is that what it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Human-sized hamsters? She's going to be on a wheel. Um, but I actually really enjoyed this. I, I didn't realize it, it's like a French production. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has a very interesting tone to it mm-hmm. and subtlety to it. I love the silence of it because there's just like long periods where she's just like crawling through tubes trying to figure out her way through it. And um, I love the, the sci-fi elements to yeah. it. It goes in directions I wasn't expecting. And it ramps up very gradually. It ramps I think. up really gradually yeah. and gets weirder as it goes. Um I I was never bored by it. I I really enjoyed the um the use of gore in it. Yeah. Like there's no it's not over like there's I'm not saying it's like overly gory, but like the moments they picked really well and it's for a specific reaction, not just for like, like shock. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, but it for, it's more for you, like put you in the shoes of this person and like what that would actually be like. And uh, I thought that was used really well. Like, like I haven't seen gore used that well in a while. I was really surprised, which I don't know. I, yeah. And, and just to go back to fresh, this this is more inventive with its gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but honestly, I I think this is one of the hmm. better sci-fi horror movies I've seen in a while. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you think of it? Uh, same thing. Cool. Uh, we're just right on track this week. <laughs> no, I thought the same thing. It's just like I was saying before. I was wondering how much of that was because when I watched this movie, yeah, I was going through a bunch of low-budget movies and just. There was nothing new coming out. I was watching whatever. Plus, we were living in a year where it was just everything was locked down and weird. And so it had worked really well for me. I just wasn't sure if that was because of watching it in that exact and specific era Mm -hmm. as opposed to is this actually a a better movie than than, uh, what it could have been. Um, this is, I mean, it's certainly low budget. But it never felt like it's just for the situation, like – the constraints of the movie, yes. it never feels low no. budget. Like the tubes don't feel stupid or anything. No. It feels it's realized. It's never cheesy or, no, no. Uh, you know, just like uh, they could have done better than that. Or, oh, no. there's, that really shows the budget in that that piece of set. Well, even like the sci-fi elements of kind of like spoilers, we're doing spoilers yeah. now. Yeah. The like alien head thing yeah. that comes down, it felt um it didn't feel low budget. It felt like old 
style sci-fi yeah. or, or or horror where yeah. it's very practical and i love that about yeah. it. it it felt real and tangible yeah. in the thing in the in the situation and i love that they did it that way well and i think those sci-fi elements actually make it feel more genuinely claustrophobic yeah than if it was just a serial killer who had trapped some woman in a series of tubes he had set up in a right. barn um it reminded me a lot in that way of oxygen mm-hmm. uh, with melanie laurent yeah uh where just the the feeling of claustrophobia because that was it's it's a relatively low budget film too but it does not look low budget it doesn't feel low budget unless you stop and think about what's actually there and how few actors there are things like that or that platform movie yeah yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a really good connection yeah and and it's just one of those things where and we've uh, you know we've talked about it so many times but know your budget and you can be ambitious and still create something interesting and new and engaging uh, on a budget as long as you know how to use that budget. Right. I'm sure there were like they maybe had like a, just a different setups of the same tubes yeah. and they're just facing her different ways and they dirty it up in different ways yeah. and the floor falls away in different ways. But like it's it probably yeah. was very cost effective to do that. And it, you never see it as – a weak point in the film, it, they make it work really well. And I, and I, like you said, I really like how they ramp it up. I like how they bring back the character that she starts off with mm-hmm. and how they, like, I, I keep using this word this week, subvert, like your expectations at yeah. the beginning with like, you're thinking it is going to be a serial killer thing. And then it gets much weirder and more galactic. Yeah. And yeah, I love how it gets kind of weird sci-fi. Like oh, it's the is, right kind of weird. Yeah, like yeah. and you don't get enough. I like how they don't really give you enough answers mm-hmm. to it. Like you're still left in the dark a little bit, like what it is. But you kind of know. You kind of are pieced it together yeah. enough, but it, you don't really need any more than that. Yeah. I like that it kind of leaves you hanging a bit. Yeah. And and this is one I never felt like I was ahead of the characters. No. And I really appreciate that in a movie like this where it's it's essentially about a character working out puzzles and a mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be ahead. Yeah. I, I don't want to be sitting there waiting for, you know, this woman to catch up because I figured it out five minutes ago. Right. Uh, this had a very natural progression to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it reminded me a lot of like going back my my first time watching Cube. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Cube was one where, you know. Essentially, it's the same set. Mm -hmm. They have a couple of hallways or or little conjunctions, and they have this one room that they just light differently Mm -hmm. or they bring different elements into. But from a a budget perspective, it felt much bigger and more intricate than it really was. And that's that's where this movie reminded me of that. I think this movie plays with it more Mm -hmm. uh, and and presents some, some more interesting concepts. And the the last thing that really hit me is I really like when things that are alien feel alien. Yeah. Not just guy in suit, not just somebody looks like an alien or there's another language or things like that. I like when something really feels otherworldly. I loved Arrival for that. Yeah. Those aliens were so bizarre and different Mm -hmm. that and and otherwise uh, you know what would have been a mundane story about spaceships coming down in a language barrier right became something much more visually interesting and i think this did that a lot too yeah i agree for sure i'm okay i'm pleasantly (laughs) surprised i really thought this was going to be one of those weeks where i have to admit i really liked something and you were going to look at me 
Like, what are you talking about? No, I was glad I really liked this one. Okay. Um, I don't cool. know. I, I had no expectations yeah. for it, and it actually, like, um, surprised me. And I was glad. I, I always get really glad when I find, like, between this and Surge, yeah. like, finding, like, I was, like, really excited and happy that I found mm. these two, like, kind of gem of movies yeah. that, like, I had never really heard of. No one talked about them. And... um they're cool. They're All cool right. movies. Awesome. Not as good so, as Moonfall. But. <laughs> so skip Moonfall. Uh, don't don't give it a second. Don't even watch the trailer. For Moonfall? Not because, yes, not yeah. because you don't want to spoil the movie, but because you don't need to watch two minutes of this movie, much less the whole thing. Yeah, that's like my brother said, oh, I was telling him about it, and he's like, oh, I'll probably watch that. And I was like, it's not fun. Don't no. watch it. It's it's Yeah, I can appreciate big, dumb fun. Yeah, I really can. Not, I can have a good time with it. But this is no. this is just dumb. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's not fun. No. It's not even the right kind of big. It's just. It actually felt small. It, because right? they don't really like his movies are usually like, let's see all the destruction, yeah. but like really like there's a couple big waves yep. in like some meteors falling, but like they don't go to other cities or anything. Like, I feel like there was a budget constraint to some degree or something. I don't know. I don't know. Skip Moonfall. Yeah. Check out Fresh. Fresh is a a, a fun little. It's fresh. Uh, it's just fresh. It's fresh. I like that. Uh, Surge, powerful performance piece. Uh, you can find that on Amazon Prime. Definitely worth watching. And then on something called uh, Fubo. If you have Fubo, you can watch it for oh. free, I guess. But I've never even heard of Fubo. And then Meander, which you can also watch on Prime Video, uh, was uh, was a good one. Quite a little surprise. So uh, are you ready to spin Sinatron and maybe we'll get a good run of things? It's been a, a good couple of last picks. Yeah. Let's see All what right. it has to offer. All right. one can okay this is one i've been meaning to watch for a long time and i um actually saw the documentary that this is based on okay but uh lords of chaos i so i have not watched a trailer yeah i did watch the documentary uh um, i've seen this pop up because it's on hulu yeah uh and i've heard good things about it so sure why not cool this is one of those like uh let's let's take uh norwegian black metal mm -hmm. and just have some fun with it let's see what's <laughs> let's see what's under the hood there the documentary is great it but, really is so i'm it's interested a lot of to fun. see how it uh yeah. plays out in the dramatized version and this one has rory culkin who's also in uh banner under heaven or under the banner of heaven oh yeah yeah um he's I didn't realize brother. that was him until like really recently. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is a Culkin. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a good cast. So, oh, and there's a guy named Walter with Ooh. a V, Walter Skarsgård. I wonder is if he he's, a Skarsgård? It would not surprise me. There's so many I of them. I swear there's so many Skarsgårds in Hollywood. <laughs> so, all right, awesome. We will definitely watch that. And then we'll figure out what else is coming out. Uh, I feel like something big that we're excited about is coming to theaters very, very soon. When's Men come out? 
This week, you're right. Oh, that's what it is. Nice. That's what I was thinking of. That one's getting really good buzz. Sweet. Um, and I have not watched anything beyond the uh, I haven't either. The one trailer because, yeah. uh, like you, I'm trying to just stay away from as much as possible. Uh, once I decide I'm going to watch a movie, I stop watching trailers yeah. because. It can only go downhill based on what they show me. So I did that with the Northman mm-hmm. or North Northman, North <laughs> and was was very pleasantly surprised as in everything everywhere. I hadn't watched anything about. Oh man, went into that blind. I want to ask you. I okay. I haven't. This is very like not a trailer trailer moment, but okay. I actually haven't watched this trailer. But I'm very intrigued by the premise. But this. Um, Predator kind of reap prey. So the, the teaser idea trailer sounds amazing. Watch the teaser trailer. Okay. It shows nothing. I mean, it's yeah. a true teaser trailer, and it's just shots from one scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch, watch the teaser trailer for Prey, and it's it's coming on Hulu in August. It's not oh, okay. a theatrical release. I was a little worried about it. Didn't know who the director was. Saw who the director was, and I, watched the teaser today. I'm I'm sold. Well, the director did 1010 Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely check it out. And then did you also see the trailer for um, uh, Cronenberg's no. new flick coming up? You haven't seen that no. thing? Oh, man. It's got Viggo Mortensen and Kristen Stewart, and uh-huh. it's a cast, but it is bizarre. It okay. is full body horror. Sweet. More body horror than Cronenberg's done in a long time. This nice. looks like old, old school yeah. Cronenberg. I have no idea what's happening huh. from the trailer. I have no idea what the plot is. You know what it's called? <sighs> Give me two and a half seconds on my magic little box here. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what it is called. Um, Googling. Yeah, Googling. you're going to have to cut this part out. Goo, 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 googling. Do, do crimes of the future. Um, and it has Kristen Stewart. Uh, I can never say her name, but she was the one who played um, James Bond's love interest. Oh, right. Uh, Leia Sedu, maybe. Okay. Vigo Mortensen. Um, it's It's got a good cast, but man, at one point, uh, Vigo Mortensen is in what can only be described as a genetically engineered corpse of a great white shark. <laughs> <laughs> you've got it sold <laughs> you've watched this trailer i am sold. uh you you gotta see some of the visuals of this yeah. i am i am just baffled and instantly i'm not gonna watch anything else okay. other than this first thing they put out but there's shots of like people with with like extra ears and and all mm-hmm. kinds of it's like parts being grafted and and genetic manipulation and uh it's like the trailers turning my stomach, so I can only oh. imagine this movie. Yeah, and uh, apparently they're they're expecting uh, people just to walk out of this thing. Okay, so man, I can't believe you haven't seen this trailer no, pop up. I had a loop on that one. It's crazy town. <laughs> All right, well, this has been Cinebabble episode fifty four. Uh, it was a good episode. It was a really packed. We I know, and it was stuff. actually pretty quick. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was expecting it to be like a three-hour episode, but no. Well, episode 54, Clint, we are professionals. We I, know what we're doing. We're getting I, better at this. We are. I recently was cleaning off my computer mm-hmm. and like went back and listened to a few Oof. moments of like our first one. Uh, the first episode. I really hate that first episode. And 
We are improving. <laughs> I don't yeah, say we're now, great. Was it our first episode or those like early er, very test episodes tests. we did? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ones nobody the, heard. The never released to the public yeah. episodes. Yeah. There's a moment in it where you clap your hands and then you get really self-conscious. <laughs> and you're like, and I'm like, it's okay, Ken. You can clap your hands. <laughs> Which then like I'm thinking, child. but Yay. now I'm thinking like, no, he can't. Yeah. Now I got to take that out. Even there, when I just did clapping, I did this tiny little <laughs> clap in front of the microphone for comedic effect. You're it learning. wasn't even a full, yeah. Yeah. We're right. improving. Well, uh, yeah. It's only taken us, you know, 70 54. episodes or whatever. Well, 54 <laughs> main ones. But, yeah, yeah. All right. This has been episode 54. Uh, very happy to have you listening. Find somebody else and hold a gun to their head and make them listen. Uh, and um, wow, that was violent and unnecessary. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I'm so I'm trying to be woke, Clint, and it confuses <laughs> me as a concept. I I must have missed it there. So, gun to the head is not woke. Um, yeah, you can. Okay. It's fine. Good. I yeah. I mean, you know, just it feels right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find us at cinebabblecast.com or at cinebabble on Instagram uh, or throw a rock in the direction of Maryland. And if you hear somebody scream, ow, maybe it was me. Who knows? Or just some other victim of your violence. <laughs> just random acts of violence. Yeah. All right. Well, you have yourself a good one, Clint. I am going to go simultaneously take a nap and have dinner somehow. Huh. I'm exhausted. You want me to spoon feed you as you pass out? That would not go well, I don't think. We'll make it work. All right. See you, Clint. Clint.